0: God is so good. He's awesome. Man, it is hot in here. It, listen, if, if, if you were watching both services, if you're here for both services, I had a sweater on in first service. And when I walked in here, and, be, and now Ralphie locked, he's like, Pastor, you changed shirts. I was like, no, I couldn't deal with the sweater. It's so hot. It's cold out there, but it is hot. Um First service, I was so hot and sweaty, my blood pressure went up. Uh, But uh, I was like, I got to take this sweater off. I I, got to get into some looseness. Uh, But we're good now, for God is faithful and God is awesome. It's so awesome to see so many of you. And uh, it's it's awesome to to have God with us in this place. And the fact that we can connect with him wherever we go, wherever we are. And that he never leaves us, he never forsakes us. He's an awesome God. Man, I don't know how many of you have been with the Lord for a while. but There's an old school song. I'm probably going to butcher it, but let's go with it. And it says, what a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Heaven and earth adore him. No, I, I skipped the part. <laughs> what a mighty God. I told you I was going to butcher it. But we serve a mighty, mighty God. We serve a mighty, mighty God, and I encourage you, especially in the time that we're living in. I'm going to get into the preaching in a minute, but I I need to speak what's in my spirit. The next two weeks here in our country seem to be that they're going to be very tumultuous. The church needs to pray. The church needs to pray. Listen, (laughs) I don't get involved in politics. I will always remind you that it is imperative that you pray about who to vote for and vote for the person that aligns closest to our principles and biblical principles. But the devil has used the politics and the political system right now, what's going on, to divide the church, and he is happy. And I'm talking about the devil right now. We have lost our focus and are putting our eyes on the wrong things. And our eyes need to be simply on Jesus. What took place this week in the Capitol, in my opinion, was a disgrace. I'm talking about the storming. Anybody who wanted to go and voice their support for the current president and they feel had won the election, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. We have the right in this country to protest. But what took place of storming the Capitol was a disgrace. And we need to be able to say that it was wrong. People lost lives, people were hurt, and it was wrong. But we need to pray for this country. We need to pray for our current president, and we need to pray for the president that's going to take office on the 20th. And nowhere in Scripture are we called to only pray for people we like or don't, or whatever the case is. We're called to pray for all men, for kings, and those in position of authority. And I'm going to speak to both sides of it right now. If you support President Donald Trump, you are called to pray for him and you're called to pray for a president if they're sitting in the White House who is not a Republican. And if you did not vote for President Trump because you don't like the guy, you're still called to pray for him as a Christian. If you did not vote for Joe Biden and he's going to take office on the 20th, you're not supposed to then cease praying for the president for the next four years. You need to pray for him. I need to read to you because God God's been stirring something in my heart out of the book of Ezra this week. Some of you may have watched me talk briefly about this in the prayer time that I did online this week. And I, I'm going to get into the preaching. I'm already going to give you the wisdom, I mean uh, the freedom. If you feel that church went too long today or is going too long, we release you already and we love you, saying as lying. But I need to share what God's putting in my spirit and then we'll get into the message because it's important to hear it today. But I need to go there. Ezra. Go to the book of Ezra. Ezra, the whole book is talking about the rebuilding of the temple. And I need to give you a synopsis of what's taking place. They go and they begin building the temple. Rebuilding. Re. Alright? They begin rebuilding the temple. And as they're in the process of rebuilding the temple, some people came to try to stop it and they brought intimidation and they brought threats and they brought those threats and intimidation specifically after they said, we want to be a part of you and Ezra and people of Israel said, wait a second, you're not one of us though. Remember last week we talked about be careful whom you bring into the circle. There were people who wanted to be a part of it that were not part of it. So they said no. Then they turned into intimidation and coming against them. And they wrote a letter. And you know what the king said? Cease and desist. Stop building the temple. Time passed and they start building again. And they come to try to stop them. And they write another letter to the king. And King Darius begins to examine all of the records. And he finds that King Osiris, or what, I can't even pronounce the name, doesn't matter. They found that the previous king had decreed and declared that they could build the temple. And not only build the temple, but that the government, the the kingdom, would pay for everything. And this is where we get to in Ezra. Give me a second. I'm finding which is the chapter I wanted to read. Chapter number six. I'm going to start in verse 19. The descendants of the captivity kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month, for the priests and the Levites had purified themselves. All of them were ritually clean. That in and of itself is important. I heard somebody mention this week, oh, there's so many Christians praying, how is this all this stuff? Well, here's my question. Are you praying from a right place of right standing with God? I'm going to step on some toes, but that's my job as pastor you lose your power to pray and God respond when you're living in complete willful sin. If you, by your choice, are choosing to live in a way that does not please God, he cannot Move. You know like when your children misbehave So you don't give them the treat Or the reward And if you do You create a spoiled brat Who feels they can do whatever they want And still get what they want It don't work that way I had to discipline one of my daughters this week. My daughters have more dolls and toys than they need. And on Saturday, it was one of their dolls' birthday. And they threw a birthday party for their doll. I don't even remember where I had gone, or had gone to, I had come to church, I don't even remember what it was. I got back home and there was literally, between the three girls, there was 33 dolls all over the living room doing a conga line. <laughs> and then they had a craft. They did a full birthday party. Well, guess what? They didn't finish picking up and putting everything away and being able to go to sleep to almost 10 o'clock at night, and they have to wake up early on Sundays. So on Sunday afternoon, it had been one of Alexandra's doll's birthday on Saturday. Now was one of Abigail's doll's birthday. I was a little tired after service last week. We went home, we're sitting there, we had lunch or whatever, and they were gonna have a birthday party for Abigail's doll. And I get from, up from the couch and I walk over there and I said, Listen, you can have the birthday party, but there's only five dolls invited. COVID birthday, <laughs> there's only five dolls invited. Abigail was throwing the birthday party, so she already had pulled out like seven or eight. And I said, Abigail, it's your, ber- your doll's birthday, so you can keep the ones that you have out. But Samantha and Alexander, you can only bring five dolls out. And I go back to the thing, cause you know, instead of 30 something dolls, there was only gonna be 12 dolls out or f- for 17 dolls, whatever, it was half. The pickup time would be better. So I go back to the couch. And those of you that know me, know that I have very, very acute fine hearing. So I'm in my couch, all the way on the other side of the house, and I hear these words out of Abigail's mouth to Alexandra, go tell dad that the party's canceled, it's ruined. Mm. So I walked over there, and in this voice, I looked at her and I said, what did you say? No dad, I'm canceling the party. And I said, you know, you're being very ungrateful right now. You're saying I ruined what you're going to do because I told you you can have, you, there's a limit and I'm telling you there's a limit because you got to have school tomorrow and it took you guys three hours to pick up yesterday and that can't happen again. Therefore... And I went back to the thing and I pulled out two big bins and I opened them and I said, you can keep one doll and all the other dolls go in the bin. I didn't scream. I didn't have to lay a finger on her. I just told her. And she sat there and she picked one doll and the rest went in the bin. And then we called her over and we sat with her. See, God does this to us too. My wife and I sat with her and we said, Abigail, I need to know, what do you think is an appropriate length of time for the disrespect, for the punishment, for your disrespect right now? Go think about it and let's talk. I disciplined her. You know why? Because I love her. And if I let her stop, let me finish, and I'm glad you're applauding, it's great, but let me finish the thought. It hurt me to not let her continue to play. I didn't, I didn't take away playtime. I thought, you can go play with your sister. She was like, what can I do? It's like, you have that one doll? Go play with your sisters and them and your things. But I am teaching my daughter how to act, behave, and be an upstanding member of this community as she grows. Guys, God cannot allow us to disrespect him in the way that many of us do with what we say, what we watch, how we dress, what we do, all of it. And then, but God, give me this. No, Papa. I've had people, Pastor, we're trying to get pregnant. Okay, when did you guys get married? Oh, no, we're not married. You want me to pray for God to bless you with a child when you are choosing to live with the person and sleep together outside of God's will? I'll pray with you about that next week. If you want to go to the courthouse this week and make it right. Pastor, you're too strict. I have told people I will not do your wedding if you don't either stop living together or get married by the court now and then we do it. I have no qualms about it. I will not. Because I cannot, as a man, a man of God, give God's prayer and blessing over something that I know he doesn't. So notice that the verse said, The priests and the Levites have purified themselves. The body of Christ needs to purify itself if they want to see the hand of God move. Then it continues to say, skip down to verse 21, the children of Israel, who had returned from the captivity, ate together with all who had separated themselves from the filth of the nations. The pastors first need to get right with God across the planet. We have a lot of Christians who don't live right with God because the pastors don't live right with God. And when we live right with God, then you guys say, Wait, you're doing it that way, that's the right way, let's follow it. I love uh, one of my best friends on this planet, Pastor Landon Schott, he always says it this way to leaders and to pastors, remember that whatever you do in moderation, the people will do in excess. I love that statement. So the Levites got right. Then the people got away from their filth because they saw the Levite gets right. Then... This is key, go to verse 22, highlight it, learn it. And they kept the feast of the unleavened bread seven days with joy for the Lord made them joyful and turned the heart of the king of Assyria toward them to strengthen their hands in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. I might lose friends, I'm going there. I believe that for a season the hand of God rested upon Donald Trump. But I also believe that he does not walk in the fruit of the Spirit the way that God is telling him to because he has zero self-control and believers Understand that you can't with one mouth praise the guy for saying things that support the church and with the other hand turn a blind eye to the way he lives his life and the lack of self-control. It's not right. We lose our ability to stand and say something. And if I offended you, I will pray for the spirit of offense to leave from you. But you need to understand that it's God who turned the heart. So right now, perhaps, you're freaking out thinking, if you're not a Democrat or whatever, again, I'm not talking political party here, understand what God is saying to the church. Because right now, the church is freaking out. The House is Democrat. The Senate is Democrat. And the President's gonna be Democrat. Everything's gonna swing all the way to the far left. The God turned the heart of the king of Assyria toward them. And they even paid for the rebuilding of the temple. Nobody is beyond the reach of the hand of God. And I need you to understand body of Christ. If God wills for Donald Trump to be president, it will happen, and you need to pray for him if you don't like him, and if you do too. But if it ends up not being him, which it looks like the Electoral College has already passed, done, like just go forward, Joe Biden's heart can be turned by the hand of God. Because who on their rightful mind would have thought 20 years ago that Donald Trump Covers of Playboy and all the different things that he did, did was going to become president of the state, let alone president of the United States. But uh, all those things that he did to proclaim and, and, and support the church and the different things that God did use him to do. So if God did it to him, why are we freaking out? Take your eyes off of Trump and Biden and Kamala Harris and Mike Pence and every other person. Take your eyes off of them because the last time I checked, they ain't Jesus. They didn't die. They didn't raise from the grave. It's God who sent Jesus and that's where our eyes need to be. And if you uh, let it fall where it fall. No, thanks. And by the way, it's amen and amen. (laughs) Amen has nothing to do with gender. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Been the most political I've ever been in my life in the last 15 minutes. And let me tell you, You will be hard-pressed to find somebody that is more of a patriot towards this country than me. I love the United States of America. But as a man of God, you need to call what it is. And our eyes need to be upon Jesus. Upon Him alone. And Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Patty, come here. If you're next to your spouse, hold their hand. Or if you're with somebody that, that, that's yours. Father, we come in agreement right now, praying for the United States of America. You at home as well. Grab hands with your family. And Father, we make intercession for this country. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we come against division discord, strife. And we pray, Father, for the heart of those in authority to be turned to you in the same way that the heart of the king of Assyria was turned towards you because of you. We pray for our sitting president, Donald Trump, for Mike Pence, for all nine justices on the Supreme Court, for all hundred senators, for all the hundreds of members of the House of Representatives. We pray for the 50 governors of this great land. We pray for every state representative in the individual states. We pray for every commissioner. We pray for every mayor. We pray for every person in position of authority right now that their hearts be turned to you in the name of Jesus. And Father, as a Christian, I repent for allowing my eyes to come off of you and be placed on people or parties. My eyes are on you, God. And my trust is on you, God. And I will rejoice and cry out in victory as I see you work in the lives of people that we thought were unreachable. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, give God a hand of praise. Don't be freaking out just because I'm preaching twice in this service doesn't mean we're picking up two offerings. As a matter of fact, we don't even pick up offering, so, you know let go from there. It's funny. We had somebody visit us for the first time a couple months ago, and, and they told the person that invited us, like, you know what surprised me? That it was so refreshing. You guys, like, they didn't pick up offering. Like, every church I've gone to, they hammer you over the head. And you guys just, like, didn't. And it's, like, because, yeah. I mean, we believe that God will bless tithers, and tithers give. Tithers find a way to tithe. I'm on a pastor's chat that was sending this week all the things about the PPP. Oh, we can make it in that second PPP. I started reading the qualifications. And the qualifications are that you need to have lost revenue of a certain percentage. And I looked and I looked and I was like, well, praise God for that. We don't need it, because God provides. And I'm, we're open, our church is super open you know what comes in and what goes out. And you know, as somebody was telling me, we are talking recently, man, the pandemic hit and the temptation to everybody across the world was save, 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 save. Right? I, I read a thing where I think Warren Buffett right now has like $1.3 billion in untouched cash type of things. There's some, some ridiculous number. And it's because when things crash again, he's going to have the liquid assets to pay for everything and buy it all up. The truth of life, right? So, what did a lot of people want to do? Hold it, hold it, hold it. You know what we did? We sowed more into our community and even globally this year than in the history of 3W Church during the pandemic. Yeah. And that's a blessing. So, for those of you that lost all the revenue, go apply for the PPP. Put your eyes on God, He's going to take care of you. In your personal finances, and in everything, I preaching number three. Let's get into the word of this one now. I need a sip of my water. Where's my water? Can I have some water there, please? Those of you that are home, again, we love you and we welcome you to service. If you're still there, I don't even know if people are still watching, but... All right. I know for sure at least our volunteers that are keeping online are watching, but... Uh, if you are, come on, put a comment box, put a hands up, put something so that we know you're there. We started a new series last week titled RE. As a matter of fact, I, I have a question. How many of you noticed the change in the lobby last week? Anybody know? Did, uh, be honest, how many of you did not notice that GO in big bright letters is no longer there and now RE is up on the lobby wall? I started asking people last week. They didn't realize it. They just walked by. They didn't even notice That there's a four foot tall letter with like 26 light bulbs in each letter or three flashing at you. And we felt that God said this is the year of re and re means again. And last week we talked about God reawakening, reawakening in our lives the things that need to be reawakened, the dreams, the visions, reawakening them. And the word that we're going to dive into today that God has put in our heart is the word renew. Renew. When you think about the word renew, this is the definition, to make something new again. To give fresh strength. Revive. When you think about the word renew, you have things like renew your insurance policy. What does that do? It reactivates it for another term. And God is an expert at renewing. God is an expert at extending the things that need to be extended. God is an expert at making things look brand new, even when they were broken. God is an expert at renewing. He is an expert at renewing. The book of Lamentations actually says that his mercies are new every morning. I mean, have you ever seen two sunsets that look exactly the same? No, he makes a brand new one every single day. Two sunrises that are the same? Nope, makes new ones every single day. And God is an expert at renewing. Look at Isaiah chapter 40. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Starting in verse 27. Why do you ask, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by God? Why do you ask that? Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God... The Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Now, there's a saying in Spanish, I don't know it in English, it probably exists there too, but there's a saying in Spanish that says, En casa de Herrero, cuchillo de palo. What does that mean? If you translate it, it is. In the hands of a worker of steel, they use wooden utensils. And you would go to think, and and you see this all the time, somebody who lays tile for a living in their house, they end up having broken tile and broken things. Why? Because they've been laying tile every day, everywhere they go. The last thing they want to do when they get home is lay more tile, right? Painters who paint all day, every day, the last thing they want to do when they get home is paint. And so it, 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 there's something about our God which is completely different. He's the expert, but He has everything also in perfection. Which is why it says it He is unsearchable, He never faints, He is never weary. Verse 29 says He gives power to the weak and those who have no might, He increases their strength. So He does it for everybody. But he never gets tired. He never grows weary. He never faints. Thank God, because man, I've messed up so much in my life and he forgives me every single time. And then look what it says in verse number 30. Even youth shall fall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So if I hope you're taking notes, but I want you to write this down. God renews our strength. God renews our strength. But church, there is a caveat He renews the strength of those who wait upon Him. What does it mean to wait? It means to have anticipation, expectancy. So when I am going to the Lord in expectancy of what He's going to do. You know like when you order something from Amazon and you're waiting for the doorbell to ring? I mean, they don't knock on the door anymore. The other day I, had, I actually had the curtain open and I saw the Amazon truck pull up and I saw the guy get out with the thing and literally sprint back to his car. Literally, the guy turned around and ran back to the car. Never knocked on my door. I just knew the package was there because the window was open and I saw him. <laughs> but you know when you wait for anticipation, you're expecting. So that's what it means to wait upon the Lord. If the things are rough... Who Jesus, you're going to do something good. <laughs> I remember when we bought the house that we live in, there was another house before that one that we really, really liked. And, 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 and it was like, well, God, if this one is not it, you must have something even better. And then we, we found this house and, and we put an offer on it. And dude, they tried to kill the deal. the the, the realtor... On the opposite side and the bank tried to kill the deal literally like four times or five times. And we just kept saying, well, I mean, if this isn't what God has for us, you're going to bring something even better because what we see that this is, and again, going with some vision here, we bought a house that had holes all over the ceiling, mold all over the house. Uh, I mean, it was a disaster, But we saw what it was going to be. And that's where our faith was in our expectancy. Well, if they end up killing this deal, God, you must have like the Taj Mahal then for us. Because like, if we see what this is going to be, what I, I, I can't even. And you know what? That expectancy and waiting upon God, it came into us and it happened. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. So the caveat is waiting upon the Lord. And I'm going to ask you this question again now. Uh, who are you waiting on? Who are you waiting on? I spoke to one of our church members two weeks ago over the phone that was, had, had a situation at work. And uh, they called us like, Pastor, I want to share this testimony. I I had to go into the office. It was a Saturday. I wasn't supposed to go in, but they called me and I was in the elevator and God even, I was like, Lord, use me. And I found a mistake that that had been made. I was able to correct it and fix it and everything was great. But I always tell my employees, I always tell the people, hey, my check does not come from this company. God is who I work for. He just uses them to pay me. So I ask you the question, is your Trust or waiting in the owner of your workplace? Or is it on God? <laughs> See, because here's what happens. As you are blessed by God, yeah, your landlord or your boss and all those people are going to be blessed. There, listen, you can ask Patty, because I, I point this out to her every time. Man, this happens every single time. We can walk into somewhere to go eat or go do something, and the place is empty. And we walk in, as, like, all right, awesome, praise God. Like, we're going to have the thing. We sit down, we start eating, we start doing whatever it might be, and before you know it, the place is packed. Every single time. Like, it, it, it never fails. Stores, we walk in, there's no line. All right, perfect, get in line. Before you look around, there's lines everywhere. It's like, all right, God, everywhere I step, man, you're bringing Blessings. Keep your eyes open on that. You're gonna notice it. You're gonna see it. God blessing. Okay, just tell me, Pastor. Get back to the preaching. Come on. Focus. Focus, Danielson. <laughs> Karate Kid, man, amazing movie. I'm I'm old. He renews our strength. Number two, write this down. Are you ready? God renews our spirit. Look at what Psalm 51 verse 10 says. Go to Psalm 51 verse 10. This is David writing this to God. And this is what he says. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now, I need to teach you Bible. David wrote this psalm. When he was confronted with his sin. Watch me now. David saw Bathsheba. All right? You guys online, stay with me. David saw Bathsheba. David was with Bathsheba. There's kids in the room, y'all know what I mean. He was with Bathsheba. Then David sent Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, to be executed. All in one fell swoop, the guy committed adultery, first degree murder, two things that were punishable by death according to the law, and the prophet comes to David and confronts him, Second Samuel chapter uh, 20, I think but around there. Nathan confronts David and David pens Psalm 51. Lord, do not depart your spirit from me. Lord, I'm wrong. Lord, do not take, create in me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit. So if you're taking notes, you need to make sure you read the Bible because this is what it means, guys. Yeah, he renews our spirit, but it takes sincere repentance to be renewed by God. See, you know when you, you, when you go apologize to somebody because your supervisor told you to? You know when you, if you're in sales and you work with a client and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm just so sorry that this happened or whatever, you walk away and you're like, no, I'm not. You are a jerk. <laughs> See, as adults, we can fake it. I always tell anybody, and if there's anybody here who who you have a feel from God, you're called to ministry, start teaching children. Because kids don't know how to lie. See, a kid is going to tell you, yeah, that class was no good. A kid is going to call you out on it. It's my advice to anybody who wants to, I want to be a preacher. Go teach some Sunday school. Talk to me after that. See, kids, if you have multiples and you tell one, you know, like, you probably have, have, have had to tell Karina to go say I'm sorry at one point in time to Camila, right? Karina, go say I'm sorry. Or the other way around. <laughs> I'm sorry. And then you say, mean it. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know what I mean I'm talking about? There was no Sincerity. David was able to get that renewed spirit because of his sincerity of brokenness of repentance. That's why David is known as a man after God's own heart. Because David longed for the breath of life. Remember, God breathed life into mankind. He longed for it. So number one... God renews our strength. Number two, God renews our spirit. Write this down. Verse, uh, num- point number three, God renews our mind. God renews our mind. I'm going to read Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. You ready? Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, the least thing you can do after Jesus died for you on the cross of Calvary and you accept it is to live right for God. I mean, it's the least bare minimum that you can do. And then he says, and do not be conformed to this world. Y'all remember saved by the bell? Time out. Okay, time out. I want you to notice something about this verse. It applies to whatever world system you're living in. Throughout mankind, humanity has done nothing but get worse and worse and worse. Newsflash, it's still going to get worse. Okay? It is. Pastor, where's your faith? No, it's nothing about faith or lack of faith. It's all about the fact that we live in a broken, fallen world. And so it gets worse and worse. So that's why the verse says, do not be conformed to this world. For crying out loud, if you watched a movie 20 years ago that was rated R, in today's society, it's rated PG and on TV without any blackouts or words being changed. Right? Because the world has gotten worse and worse. So it says, do not be conformed to this world. So if somebody listens to this message, if Jesus has tarries and has not come in the year 2047, and you hear this message from this pastor from many, many years ago, who says, do not be conformed to this world, it applies to you here in 2047. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, all of us are born with a sin nature, but we're born in innocence. Every child is innocent, but there becomes a moment where it flips the switch. You know what I'm talking about, right? You know, your kid was great, never did anything wrong, and then you kept telling them, don't touch that, and they get to that specific point. You know the point where I'm talking about? Well, don't touch that? Huh. They didn't see me. Right? That's the moment that you start recognizing sinful nature. Okay? From that moment forth, the mind continues to become more corrupt, more depraved which is why when you come to God, there's a lot of renewing that needs to take place. And how are you renewed? You're renewed by spending time with God in worship, in prayer, in church service, in small group, in the Bible. Read this, it is good for you. Don't just read it once, read it over and over again. <laughs> if, if your kids are in school, or if you're a teacher, or if you went to school, there was something that's called a spiral curriculum. See in a spiral curriculum, as you specifically see this in math, you don't just teach the current concept, you always review the old one. Because even if you get into calculus, you still need to be able to add and subtract. It doesn't change. And so uh, sometimes we think, oh, but I already read that. I already read the Bible once. No, 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 read it over and over and over every single year, again and again. Oh, but I love reading all these other books. Listen, if you can only choose between reading other books and the Bible, throw away the other ones and read the Bible. The Word of God that is living and is true stories and Real. so you renew your mind by spending time with him and the older you were when you came to Christ the more renewing you might need Let's be real i came to Christ at 8 my daughters are growing up in the gospel praise jesus they're not going to go through some of the things that i learned or went through or whatever so again number 1 he renews our strength number 2 He renews our spirit. Number three, he renews our mind. And and, and this one's important now. God renews his promises to us. He renews his promises to us. I I want you to jot these verses down. Are you with with me this morning? I know there was like Bible overload today, but, but you got it, all right? You're with me. Abraham, father of our faith, right? Genesis chapter 12, God calls Abraham. I want you to write these down because I want you to read this later. In Genesis 12, God calls Abraham. It's where he gives him the promise the first time. He says to him, Leave your father's house, leave your place of comfort, and go to the place that I will show you. Then he tells him, I'm going to make you a great nation. Whoever blesses you, I'm going to bless. Whoever curses you, I'm going to curse. Dude, you're gonna be amazing. Right? That's the promise. Time starts passing. He has a situation with Lot, his nephew. He doesn't want to have strife with Lot, so he tells Lot to leave and go one way, go another way, and, and, and God continues to bless Abraham. And then in, in chapter 13, verse number 16, Genesis thirteen sixteen, this is what God tells Abraham. Your descendants are gonna be like the dust on the earth. Dude, you can wipe a surface down, and 23 minutes later, when you go back to it, there's dust again. Try to count it. I mean, come on. Be honest now. How many of you have thought the question, like, where does this dust come from? It's everywhere. So God tells Abraham, like the dust is the second time that God renews the vision the the promise then you fast forward to chapter 15 verse number 5 and God's like I guess you didn't get the analogy of the dust I mean, it was far too great for you Abram you know it, you're not getting it so actually I want you to go outside here and I want you to look up and, I, and remember there was no s- electricity light pollution the guy lived in the wilderness in the desert and he says look up and count the stars and i can picture abraham maybe like trying to do a quadrant like okay i can i can't he's like yeah like the stars okay the dust you couldn't get it but let me renew this promise to you that it's gonna be like the stars in the heavens and Abraham's like but I don't got any kids yet. Like, you keep telling me this stuff, but I don't got kids yet, you know? Like, when are you going to do it? For you Bible scholars, after Abram listened to his wife and slept with Hagar and Ishmael was born, it was still 14 more years before the promise came to fruition. The Bible's clear, saying that Ishmael was 14 years old. He had to continue to believe for the promise. But you know what happened in that time? After Isaac finally is born, and then God tells Abram, All right, I see you're putting way too much trust on Isaac now. As a matter of fact, you know what you need to do, Abram? You need to give me Isaac. Abram goes with the two young men and Isaac. They go up the mountain. Isaac looks and is like, Dad, I see the wood. I see the knife. Where's the lamb? And Abram's like, The Lord will provide. He then, he goes and he he tells the young man, wait here. And he goes up there with Isaac. He ties Isaac down and he gets the knife ready to do it. And God's like, stop. I have now seen that you will not hold anything back from me. And there's a ram caught in the thicket, right? And this is where now a God again renews the promise. And in Genesis chapter 22, verse 17, he again says the stars, but then he says, your descendants will be like the sand on the seashore. Do you understand that in four different ways God said it? (laughs) Great nation, dust of the earth, stars in the heaven, sand on the seashore. He renewed the promise and can I tell you something? God has promised to strengthen your marriage and it's all throughout the Bible. God has promised that your family will come to him and it's all throughout the Bible. God has promised to prosper you and it's all throughout the Bible. God has promised to restore you and it's all throughout the Bible. God has promised to heal you and it's all throughout the Bible He renews his promise to you. He renews his promises to you. But church I need to tell you something We Need to set aside time to spend with God. Worship team, come up to the altar. Quick, quick. We set appointments for everything. We need to start setting appointments for our time with God. Literally, set yourself a calendar appointment and don't miss it you know like you don't miss your appointment at the doctor's office because they're still going to charge you the copay god doesn't charge you for missing the appointment but you might not walk into the full renewal in the time you wanted my wife and i we're trying to grow in this more and more and i thank god I, I, every year we're able to see it we were talking the other day uh, about, you know, she was like, hey, I I made, I did so much better in my 2020 devotional life than I did in 2019. we were talking about that. And something new that we started doing for this year, we started planning it since December, was that we plan out now a week in advance, like today, we will plan out who's taking the girls to school on which day. And this is why. I'm her husband, and I want her to love God more than she loves me. Because I know that if she loves God more than she loves me, she's going to love me a lot. So I noticed that in her being an amazing mom, sometimes I've robbed her of devotional time. Or in our crazy schedule. So we said, okay, which days are you taking the girls this week? Which days am I taking them? On the days that you take them, as soon as you leave, my calendar appointment is time with God. Airplane mode on the phone. Thank you, Javi, for teaching me that you can also have it not throw in messages while you're actually using the phone on airplane mode. If you need to know how to do that on an iPhone, talk to Hobby. All right, he told me after service last week, he's like, this is how you can do it. I was like, here's my phone, do it for me. And on the days that, that she takes the girls to school, it's my time, like I get in there, I spend a certain amount of time in worship, I spend a certain amount of time reading scripture. Every year I do a different thing, it's, and, 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 and it's, it's been a blessing, right? And I say the thing about the airplane mode to get, something to, to, to get to somewhere. I know that on her personal time with God, I'm not gonna interrupt her. And she knows when I'm gonna do my devotional time with God, it's, it's uninterrupted, unless there's an emergency, right? And this week, I'm there, I, she had taken the girls to school, done the different stuff. And I'm in my office at home and I, I had spent time in worship and, and I was reading, I was actually reading some of the stuff of Genesis and on Abraham and on my notepad that I'm currently going through. I was writing down all the promises and all the different things and, and going through all of this, right? And she calls me and I'm like, well, she knows I'm in this so there must be something wrong. So I answered the phone. She was like, can you believe it or whatever? And, and my answer to her was, that's not an emergency, and you know this is my time with God. I can't believe you said that to your wife. She wants me to love God more than I love her, too. See, there was a shift in our relationship with God a few months ago when I heard this, and, and I, I want you, if, if, can you zoom in just a little bit more? Because I want the people online also to get this, just a tad. Not too much, just a little bit, because I think it's it blurry, but all right. All right. <laughs> When we were at this conference, the Gateway Conference, one of the pastors that was speaking at the conference, his name is Pastor Preston. He said he was in a time of devotion with God and he felt God ask him a question. He says that God told him like, Preston, what's the last thing your wife tells you before you have intimacy? Again, there's kids in the room, you know what I'm saying. And he kind of like looked at God like, like what do you mean? Like, like, what's the last thing? Like, the last words that come? Like, and God's like, yeah, hey, what's the last thing she tells you? He says, well, God, like, you know we have little kids, so the last thing she says is, close the door and lock it. And he said, Preston, and I felt that God say it to me, and I'm passing it on to you. And God said, before you go to have devotionals with me, our intimate time, go lock the door. We can't have this in the background, this going on. When it's your time with God, go lock the door. So we're doing that this year, like really hardcore. Hey, this is my time with God. I don't answer phone calls. I don't. This is my time. Schedule your time with God. You're going to see him reawaken visions and dreams and things in you. He's going to renew the thoughts, the things that were in your mind that you couldn't understand why you couldn't get rid of them. He's going to renew them. God tells you today, go lock the door, I want some alone time. Can I tell you, husbands, spend time with God and ensure that you make an ability and an opportunity for your wife to spend time with God. Wives, spend time with God and ensure that you make an opportunity for your husband to spend time with God. Uninterrupted. Pastor, we have a busy schedule. Guys, start with seven minutes that are uninterrupted start with five minutes like be like hey the next five minutes just give me five minutes I'm gonna go worship God for a few minutes and I'm gonna read a scripture the Bible reading of the day I'm gonna just just five start with five before you know it man I I had set with a certain standard that I was gonna do by very bare minimum this year with God on a daily basis and I've been meeting with with the men that I mentor and and, 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 I, and, and the pastors of the church and I, and I had them all do the same plan of, as far as like what's your minimum time with God? Can I tell you, this is, this is personal because I'm not even going to tell you what the amount of time it is. but there hasn't been one day in this year where I haven't spent more, much more time than what I had as my bare minimum. But you got to start somewhere. If you used to spend four times a month with God The four Sundays you came to church, start with spending time with God at least once a week, uninterrupted, for 10, 15 minutes. Seven minutes, something. Uninterrupted. And you're going to see God renew strength, you're going to see God renew spirit. You're going to see God renew your mind. And you're going to see God renew his promises. And 2021 is going to be your best year. Because as your soul prospers with God, everything else will line up. Our God is an expert at renewing. Stand to our feet. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, I, I can't close out without giving you the opportunity. The Bible says, for God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He paid the price. In other words, he redeemed you. And all you need to do is believe it, and then confess it with your mouth. That's what the Bible says. So today, if you've walked away from Him, or today, if you want to surrender to Him for the first time, every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to say this. Say, God, I'm a sinner, and on my own, I can't get to you. But I believe Jesus is your Son. He came to earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose from the grave to pay the price for my sin. So today, I ask Jesus to come and live in my heart and write my name in the book of life. And God, from now on, I'm yours. And you are mine in Jesus' name. Father, this morning I pray for every single one of our folks that are here listening to the podcast or watching online. And Father, we declare in the name of Jesus that you are renewing us. Our mind, our spirit, our strength, your promises to us. And we thank you, Father, for we will see your hand. We thank you, Father, for your hand upon us in the same way that your hand was upon Ezra will cause blessings to come to us. We thank you, Father, for you are the one that will turn the hearts of every man and woman in position of authority. And we thank you, Father, for what you start, you finish. In Jesus' name.